two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Charged Against Cast. I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. The Marvelous Tiki. Joining me is the cat dad himself, Justin. Meow. And next to him is the Yu-Gi-Oh! Master himself, Tyler. King of games, bitch. But you're only good at one game, and that's cards, based on children. I said your it. ass in X4. That's true. You'll get that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true that. Um, don't call out if you don't want to get called out. Tekken, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> KLF, Street Fighter. Do I keep going? I'll keep going. But we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about the games we've been playing, news we've been reading. How toxic Ben is. Um, this is actually an intervention. Um, yeah, it is. I have a problem. Uh, I, I have a noose right over here. So I'll take care of your problem for me, uh, for you later tonight. So, but without further ado, we have a lot of stuff to talk about considering we missed last week due to, uh, uh, I won't mention it unless he wants to mention it. It's out there. I just don't want to bring it up again. Um, but we missed the show last week. Um, we did a thing. Me and Todd did a thing instead. So we got a lot of news to cover. So let's get right into it. And uh, I know you've had a busy week this week, but what have you been up to? Uh, well, yeah, once again, we missed because of me. Um, I keep having cat issues. It's okay. She's fine. Everything's okay. That's good. But yeah, sorry. Um, this was much less like severe, so it's not that big a deal. But I just hope that we don't have any more vet bills for a while. <laughs> uh, but that being said, um, I'm trying to kind of like cut costs in a lot of ways. So I'm not really like getting new games or anything right now. Um, so unfortunately, what I have to share is mostly old stuff. Um, I did grab one thing, which was Shovel Knight Dig. And I will start with that in just a second. But um, I realized, I so for for October, uh, I'm taking a brief break from the Metroid Prime trilogy on stream uh, to do Resident Evil 4 with uh, my streaming friend Spreck. Uh, check him out. He usually streams Wednesday nights. But um, so yeah. I agreed to do Resident Evil 4 with him because I've never actually like played all the way through that game and he loves it, so I thought it'd be a fun thing for us to do together. Um, and so I realized I didn't actually own that game. Um, and so like I thought about just you know grabbing the GameCube, Wii, PS2, whatever version and emulating it, but I looked into some of the, uh, the PC mods for the 24, 2014 quote-unquote HD release, which... It's barely HD. That yeah. thing is is a dated relic. Um, it basically has widescreen support and like slightly up res like character models, but it looks terrible on you know modern monitors. Um, so before dropping any money on that, I decided to look up some stuff on it. And um, released late last year was something called the HD Remake Project, HD Remaster Project. Whatever. It was a VR the point update. is, it's like a no. It's a fan. It's a fan. They're thing. rebuilding. They're um, basically giving like high res texture mods to pretty much everything in the entire. Uh, game. Yeah, it's insane. Like, so it it's only built off of the 2014 PC version. Like, you can't use it on anything else. But it basically takes that quote unquote HD version and makes it actually HD. Um, it's like a 30 gig texture pack or something like that. Uh, that can be like four eight K, which of course I didn't I didn't see a point in doing. Um, but it not only like uh, brings a lot of the like uh, textures and things like that up to you know modern standards, 
um, like the outlines on on or the the walls on buildings and um, you know rock textures and all that kind of stuff with slight uh, bump mapping. Um, it also adds a lot more detailed uh, like texture overlays and like smoothed out um, facial textures and things like that for all the characters um, and their clothing, and then even like small stuff like the objects on shelves. It will swap out the kind of you know hexagonal uh sphere objects for actual spheres with like high res logos on like the pill bottles and stuff it's insane how detailed this thing is and how much of it's actually like (laughs) um did i say sphere i meant cylinders pill bottles is the point or things like pill bottles um canisters that kind of stuff you know books like, all the books are, like, individual models instead of just being, like, a blur of of blocks of whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a pretty major undertaking. And they're at a 1.1 right now. So, basically, the game is done, and they've um, updated a few things that looked a little strange. They've got a few more tweaks to do, just, like, mostly graphical issues, like things that don't show up correctly and they didn't catch in the, in the first run. Um, but it is essentially done. Um, so I decided to go ahead and get the PC version so that I could put that in there. And I just kind of did a little like test run through the first little area just to kind of see how everything looks. And man, the the game's real pretty this way. Like it's still very much, you know, a a three generation old game. 2005, so yeah. Yeah. But like it is, if, if RE4 remake is, you know, built from the ground up, this is basically like a faithful remake. Um, or remaster, I guess, is what you generally call it, because nothing else is different. But there's also some nice little, uh, like, quality of life mods in there that you can toggle on or off. So, like, I, um, I decided to turn off all the QTEs, because I hate them. I hate QTEs in in games in general. And I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. Um, I wish I could do that with all the God of War games, because I'm planning on replaying all those, too, and I hate the QTEs. Eh, I don't really care about that one. Um, But fair. Yeah, I mean, get rid of QTEs and games. Like, just blanket statement. Um, But yeah, so that should help quite a bit. Um, And you can do, like, an FOV slider to give you more field of vision and all kinds of stuff. So it should be a really cool way to play the game. Um, But because I already had to uh, buy that, I went ahead and got... Shovel Knight Dig also, because it was on sale for, like, the, you know, first week release or whatever. Um, so yeah, that game is pretty cool. Uh, it is essentially, like, a blend, like, kind of a half-and-half blend of Shovel Knight and SteamWorld Dig. And I will say it's not as good as either of those games, but it's a cool, like, it's a cool concept, you know, melded together. Um... Kind of in a similar vein of, like, Cadence of Hyrule being, you know, Cryptid Necrodancer mixed with Zelda. Except I think that's a more successful version of that. But um, I don't, like, I I like the game still. It's just very hard. And the roguelike elements are rearing their head early. (laughs) Um, So I need to get a little more progress in it, I think, before, like, I appreciate the mechanics more. Because right now it's very much, like, you do a run, you die, and then you basically drop back at the beginning without anything. 
Um, there's not a lot of that kind of, you know, persistent upgrade element to the game yet. Um, I know there is some stuff you get, like some uh, increased power and like more health and that kind of thing that, you know, stick with you in, in later uh, plays. But so far, the only shops and things I have are the temporary like single run items. And it's pretty punishingly difficult uh, because you're always going down. So like the whole point is you're kind of, you know, you're in a chasm. Like, you're, you're digging downward and to the side a little bit. Um, but every, like, uh, screen, I guess, is kind of its own, like, puzzle room, almost. With, you know, enemies constantly popping up, other obstacles. Uh, just everything wants to kill you. And you're digging through all the dirt to get the treasure. Sometimes hidden collectibles. SteamWorld dig stuff. Um, but... It doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't feel quite as like tight to control as Shovel Knight did, um, because you have to hit a button to to you know shovel like to shovel through the dirt. But then, if you're wanting to like just uh, jump on and kind of do like the pogo stick thing on enemies, you just hold down like the direction down, and you kind of automatically like jump on them. But then if you land on the ground and want to like dig underneath you, you have to hold down and hit the dig button. So it's like it's kind of this weird thing. Where, like, sometimes you automatically dig and other times you don't, if that kind of makes sense. Like, you automatically dig enemies, but you don't automatically dig dirt. And so sometimes I just hit down thinking that, like, I'll, you know, dig down and it doesn't. because yeah, that's how it works in the original um, game. Yeah, I know. But it's just a little jarring yeah, sometimes. I gotcha. Uh, with, the, with the concept of the game. Um, and you can't, like, you can't go back up. Uh, there's one ability that basically like gives you the ability to break, you know, dirt above you or whatever. But Shovel Knight's helmet has horns, and you have to have an ability that lets you basically use those horns to break what's above you, and it feels weird. It is weird. Um, so like, if you miss, like if you, if you miss a jump or you know land too far down or whatever, like you can't get whatever's above you. Like there's no way back up. Um, sometimes there's, you know, jumping pads and enemies that you can hit to kind of get a boost up, but there's a lot of times where it's just like, well, I slightly missed that. Guess I don't get any of that stuff. Um, that makes it feel a lot more like shut off rather than like a platformer. It's very much just kind of a, you know, a tunneling roguelike. Um, so I think some of those elements are a little at odds with each other because like in SteamWorld Dig, you could dig upward right like you can go in all directions correct um and this one like you can go to the side and down that's it um the only way you can really do it is to like dig to the side like to a platform and then jump up you know dig to the side jump up dig to the side it it feels clunky um i get the idea is to keep going down but it's frustrating in those moments when you like are just out of reach of something that you thought you could get. And it's also, like I said, it's, it's hard. Uh, you start in this area that's called like mushroom cave or something, something along those mushroom mines, something along those lines. And similar to uh, shovel Knight, it's split up into kind of like five like levels. Um, and it looks like at the end of each one, you get a checkpoint. So it's like there's Mushroom Mine 1s, and then Mushroom Mines 2, and then 3, and so on. 
And at the end of each one, there's like two different paths you can dig down that kind of uh, have like a hint of what's in the next area. There'll be like a sign that shows like a, you know, picture of an enemy or something or like an obstacle. And it's like, oh, okay. So that, you know, that way has a lot of this thing in it. Whereas like the other way might have like a treasure chest or something. So it's like, okay, that way is full of treasure, but there's probably something else dangerous down there, you know, guarding all that treasure. So you have to kind of decide which way you want to go. Um, some of them like have one way that's locked and one way that's open. So if you don't have the key, you can only go one way. Um, but you get down to the next level. And if you die in that level, it drops you all the way back to the beginning. So like I assumed, you know, if you die at the somewhere in like Mushroom Mine level two, it would drop you back to the beginning of level two. But it doesn't. It drops you back to the beginning of level one. Oof. So it looks like a checkpoint system, but it's not. And I don't know if I'm missing something. Like, if there is, if there is like, a checkpoint globe or something that I'm just not finding. But, like, I'm still in this first area because, like, I can't get past Mushroom Mine 3. Because you have four health. And every enemy takes, like, a half health point. Um, and some things are instant death. Like, there's a... There's an obstacle thing that's basically, like, a... a like a saw blade that just chases you down the level. And so already, you know, you can't dig upward. And now you're like rushing, you know, to dig down and still try to get the treasure before this saw just instant kills you and drops you back at the beginning of the level. Like, and as far as I can tell, there's no way to kill it. Um, it just kind of sweeps down. You get a little bit of a warning so you can kind of like prepare yourself to start, you know, speeding up and everything. But it makes you lose a lot of the agency in those sections um, when you're just being reactionary to this thing that's chasing you. While enemies are also flooding the screen and everything else. Um, but our friend DJ Stormageddon, uh, who got a review copy, um, told me that uh, there's pretty solid like accessibility options in the game. Um, so, f- you know, from the very start, you can go into the settings and adjust, like, the amount of health you start with, your attack power, um, I think, like, the amount of damage enemies do to you, all kinds of stuff. So, I'm going to tamper around with that stuff and jump back in, because um, I do, I really like the way the game plays. It's just punishingly difficult, at least early on, when, like, there's no other way to get more health or anything. Um, and there's supposed to be, like, a blacksmith character that I assume gives you, you know, permanent upgrades that you can buy with the treasure you get down there. But I haven't found him yet. <laughs> so, like, I literally haven't gained any progress except money, I guess, technically. But I don't have anything to spend that money on other than temporary buffs, which don't do any good if you're just going to die again. Um, so, yeah, really cool concept. Frustrating execution. But I'm hoping I can kind of cheese my way through it, you know, with some of the accessibility options, because I don't really like hard games. Um, but it's a cool game. I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's it's, def- it's it's not quite like a Shovel Knight sequel, um, but I've heard it still has kind of boss fights at the end of each level and stuff. So it's kind of like a Shovel Knight 2, but like vertical <laughs> in some ways. Um and a lot of the supporting cast and stuff are back, like that that guy that like pops out of treasure chests and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. um, so it's still got all that charm. 
Um, but yeah, aside from those, I've mostly just been um, playing a bunch of emulated stuff on my Odin. Um, the first week and a half or so was a lot of like downloading things onto it, seeing if they run okay, you know, tampering with the with the emulator settings to try to get better performance out of them, and then trying again. Um, so I wasn't making a lot of actual progress in anything. It was like figuring out the catalog I was going to have on it of games that actually work. <laughs> Um, and there's some things like Star Fox Adventures, for example, that I didn't think I would get to run because it was pretty choppy at first, but I tweaked the dolphin settings enough that like, it's a mostly solid 30 frames now. Um, like occasionally it'll dip down to like 95% speed or whatever, but really all that affects is like cutscene dialogue. And I mean, I don't care. The voice acting is not that good anyway. Um, so it is really impressive, like what you can do on this thing. Um, probably the coolest thing I've done, I've actually made quite a bit of progress in this game, but the coolest thing I've done is run, um, Legend of Zelda, like between worlds, the, you know, the 3DS game, uh, at two X resolution with an HD texture pack applied on this thing. That's basically like a two year old, uh, phone with controls built in, uh, granted it's like, you know, um, active cooled so like they can overclock the cpu and everything more than a phone would because phones end up throttling themselves and all that stuff but point is i didn't expect to get any 3ds games actually running at a good speed much less like you know near flawless performance at 2x hd um because in general i don't really like playing 3ds games at native resolution they kind of look terrible especially you know on a bigger screen um, this isn't so bad because it's like a six inch screen and then it's, you're not using the whole screen anyway because you're fitting two, you know, like one small, one larger screen on it, like side by side. But still, like uh, Kirby Planet Robobot, I have to play at 1x and it's still a little choppy. And it's not the ideal way to play that game. Um, I'm only doing it because my other thing I'm working on right now um is a uh, video list of my favorite uh, Kirby copy abilities. I actually got this idea in Ben's stream the other day. Um, when, when he was switching Kirby games every time he died. Which wasn't going to happen. Um, but, yeah, so... He, he would played Kirby 64 for the first time, which you might talk about, I don't know. Um... And I was like, oh, it's so cool to, like, see someone experience this game I love for the first time. And all of the, like, super cool, unique abilities in it. And then I was like, there's actually a lot of really cool Kirby abilities. Do I want to make a video about Kirby abilities? <laughs> um, so I kind of spiraled off from there. But I think I've got my list now. Um, so I've been going back through all the Kirby games on the Odin uh, to get footage from each of them. Um, and I... I grabbed uh, Kirby's Return to, Return to Dreamland, like the Wii one, and that actually runs like really well. Um, again, I didn't expect to be able to get Wii games running, since a lot of GameCube games are kind of spotty. But most things that are like side-scroller, you know, not uh, like Wiimote heavy, work really well. The only things that are issue are mapping the Wii controls. Uh, but even like Super Paper Mario... I got that running pretty well because you can hit you can hit a button to toggle uh, sideways versus upright on the Wii remote, so it like automatically you know switches your your angles to that, 
And with Super Paper, Mar- Super Paper Mario, when you do that toggle, it, like, activates your cursor or whatever. So then you just use the right stick to move the cursor around the screen. It's not bad at all. Um, I don't think I could run, like, Metroid Prime 3, for example. Something like, you know, super uh, Wiimote heavy. But for simple stuff like this, it's fine. Um, but anyway, uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland. I never really played that much, but... I remember there was one, like, new power in that game called Water that I remember really liking, but, like, it pretty much only shows up in that one, I think. Yeah, that sounds new to me. Yeah, I want to say that's the only game it's in. Um, But, like, I played it a little bit of multiplayer with some friends, like, back on the Wii. And so I wanted to replay that game so I could, like, see if Water was actually as cool as I remember. And it is. It's an awesome ability, considering it's, like, the only game it's in. And that's super sad. But, I mean, we're getting a a remake of that game. So, you know, maybe it'll put water back in the spotlight. Um, But, yeah. In general, it's it's just okay for a Kirby game. But it does have some really nice novelties in it. Like, um, it kind of... It was, like, the first one to kind of do the... uh, The copy ability, like, challenge rooms... Which I didn't know they did before Forbidden Land. Or Forgotten Land? Forgotten Land. Um, so, like, as you get, like, the, the gears or whatever, like, the collectibles at each level, you unlock different challenge rooms on, like, the, the main world map um, that just, you know, put your copy abilities to the test. So I did one that was for a sword. Um, and it's actually kind of cooler than the ones in Forgotten Land because it's longer. It's like a full level. Um, and you're basically, like, running against the clock to collect, like, the, get a get a high score on, uh, of, like, just collecting these, um, coins. I was gonna say, they're not stars. Normally it's stars. They're coins. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really fun. Um, I've unlocked a few others, but I haven't, I haven't done them yet. Um, so yeah, I'm playing a bunch of Kirby games. Um, also, I'm playing Squeak Squad for the first time on the DS, and that also has an ability that's not in any other game called Animal. And that's a, another really cool, adorable ability uh, that basically lets you, like, dig. It's kind of like the the mole mitts in um, uh, Zelda, but way cuter because it's like a little like a little animal on top of Kirby. Um, and then, let's see. I'm trying to just focus on highlights because I've, I've got a... I've, I'm kind of dabbling in a lot of games. Um... There's not too much I'm in that, like, I haven't, you know, already played before. Because uh, I've kind of been, just been sticking with comfort food. Um, yeah, I didn't bring it home tonight, so I, 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 I can't reference uh, what I'm actively playing right now. Um, but, that's right, um, I found a bunch of, like, colorization mods for old Game, Game Boy games. Um so I knew this was a thing already because I, I saw it for our Metroid 2. Um, but I didn't know there was like a whole slew of them that are all like really well done. Um, I guess there's this kind of uh, like a special emulator that can dump uh, Game Boy like color palettes and like the, the textures and stuff. And you can basically output um, different palettes for different scenes inside of games like it's it's kind of a complicated thing you're basically paint like painting this black and white game 
and then outputting that as a ROM file um, or a, a patch file, I should say. Uh, so I don't exactly know how it works, but it takes like a lot of time and effort for these people to, you know, custom paint every asset in these games um, and then patch it back into the actual game. But I found um, colorization mods for uh, Donkey Kong Land 1 and 2, because 3 already is in color. Um, and then uh, uh, Mario Land 1, 2, and 3, which is Wario Land, um, because Wario Land 2 and 3 are already in color. And they're also working on one for Mega Man 5, um, which looks really good, because that's one of those that's like, it's super Game Boy enhanced or whatever it says. But it doesn't look good. Like, for some reason, Mega Man is pink. And I don't like it. Um, and that one, um, actually, like, it fixes the color and it fixes the performance. Um, it notoriously, like, runs like trash, even when emulated. It's like the the internal clock speed is messed up or something. Um, so it just chugs along, even when you're not playing on an actual Game Boy. And so this mod is supposed to, like like fix that clock speed so the game just runs better while also being in full color and that one looks really impressive but it's not done or released yet unfortunately um but i shared a few pictures earlier today of mario land 2 in full color and like as if that game could get any better (laughs) uh but like color adds so much to it because it already like is ahead of its time and now you know the only thing holding it back was that it was in black and white um, so they fixed that. Uh, and the Donkey Kong Land games actually look quite a bit better in color, too. Like, the art style still leaves something to be desired, just because it's that kind of, you know, squished down, like, Game Boy uh, sprite art. But it at least looks less muddy in color. Um, it's definitely a simpler job. Like, they didn't put as much effort into it. Um and then Mario Land 1, I couldn't actually get to run. Um, I think my patch might be corrupted or something, so I gotta fix that. But I saw pictures of it, and they fixed the Mario sprite. Um, so, like, not only is it in color, but it actually looks like Mario, instead of this little, like, you know, Game & Watch looking guy. Like this uh, little <laughs> um, 8-bit chub. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of neat. Like, I've, I've heard some people say they don't like it, uh, because, like, it's, it's not the same. But, I mean... It actually looks like Mario. Like, what else were you going to do? The only weird thing is it's still that kind of, like, squat size because you can't actually change, like, the sprite size or anything. Um, So it's a little goofy, but they made it work. And uh, Donkey Kong Land 2 um, is another one that has, like, some actual, uh, like, modded stuff in it. And whenever you have your companion monkey, uh, they follow you in the level. Like, I don't know why they didn't do that in the actual game, but... Apparently it's possible if they were able to, you know, mod it in. Um, so that's kind of neat. It's it's a novelty. Like, it doesn't work super well. They kind of glitch in and out every now and then. Um, but it's just, it's one of those little things, you know. Like, it makes it feel more like the console versions. Um, so yeah, I've just been having a lot of fun, like, playing around with, you know, what I can get running and how well I can make it run. Um, but I haven't, like, actually, like, deep deep dove i guess into into any any of the games um i want to i i just started up uh mother three technically for the first time today or third time i mean um 
because I like I I booted it up just to make sure like the English patch and everything worked, and then I switched emulators, and then I booted it up again because I was actually going to play it, and then I switched versions of that emulator, and the the save file didn't transfer. Oh no! So I've played the first like just opening cutscene of that game three times now. So, hopefully I'll actually be able to devote some time to Mother 3 now. Um, luckily, the GBA emulator has a fast-forward function, so I could just kind of, like, speed through all that stuff this time. But it's still very slow to start, so I didn't actually have time to, you know, get into the game proper. But um, that's one of the ones that I've never played before that I'm excited to, to spend more time with. Um and uh castlevania lament of innocence on the ps2 was another one that like i think i rented as a kid maybe but i really don't remember it um but i've heard it's pretty decent for like the one of the first 3d castlevanias um so i have pretty much gotten through like the intro area and um just reached the what is it the garden of something the garden of eden it's honestly it's something like that um, it's basically the first, like, hub you go to. Um, so yeah, I don't have too much to say about that yet, but, uh, the menus are a little clunky, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else of note. I don't think so. Uh, and then of course more Diablo, but I don't really need to talk about that. Um, we're like seven weeks into our mortal run and I'm honestly kind of over it, so... <laughs> I, I keep going just because, like, like I said, it's kind of communism. You know, you gotta you gotta help out for the greater good. For but... the greater good, I keep saying that. <laughs> um, honestly, since I got my Odin, I kind of haven't wanted to play anymore because, like, now I have something else portable to you know play during my. I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, when I was in the spare room uh, with my cat. Uh, earlier and last week it was nice to have multiple th- you know multiple options um i also played some more like mario kart tour for example um which is still pretty fun like it's they they haven't done that whole uh shop change yet like getting getting rid of the pipes and putting in the actual uh currency store or whatever so i've kind of just been like jumping in every now and then you know playing a few races just to uh finish like an objective or whatever because you get like free uh pipe pulls for doing that stuff um but i'm not like seriously putting time into it um but if i finish with diablo i might you know put more time at least into mario kart next i don't know um it is kind of cool to see some of those courses though like there's a few in there that like are you know like uh remakes of old courses but in the mario kart tour style that i'm like oh yeah that's definitely coming to eight because that's a really cool course. They did a great job remaking it. And it's not in the game yet. I'd imagine that they uh, probably put it in in the next update. I believe it's uh, in December. Uh, the next uh, wave is coming. Yeah, we know two of the courses. I think they uh, they did kind of a brief trailer for it. And the Nintendo Direct. Um, but like, there's you know six more that we don't know okay. yet. So. Um. But, uh, Ben went to the bathroom or something, so I guess go ahead. Alright, um, I honestly don't have that much to talk about in all honesty. Uh, it is kind of game-related, so I guess I'll give it a quick mention. So, uh, 
a good friend of mine, also um, the lovely artist who made my profile art, Hades Hell Art, uh, dropped by uh, in my uh, uh, residence uh, this past weekend, and um, I decided to um, take a stroll down to um, North Austin and uh, went to like a few museums. Um, and a few other places for uh, hangouts. Um, one of the ones that we went to was uh, the Museum of Weird. I don't know if any of you have been to it, but it's basically um, like a, a museum slash gift shop that uh, that pretty much showcases a whole bunch of uh, freak show icons from um, the early 1900s and a whole bunch of um, wax statues of uh, horror figure icons and giving the history of, um, uh, of um, the old actors like Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, all those, um, all those people. And also, while I was in the gift shop, as I unplugged my headphones, I decided to get myself a little poster of the original Go- Gojira. I contemplated between this and... Um, the poster from Plan 9 from Outer Space because it was funny. But I decided on Godzilla since I actually have a connection with that movie. Uh, we also went to the North Austin Toy Museum and they have a lot of cool stuff there. Like, um, they have a whole bunch of uh, old 80s and 90s action figures. They had like a selection of Power Rangers figures, Thundercats. A whole bunch of G.I. Joes. Lots of cool shit is there. They also have some uh, old vintage video game consoles there as well. Like, they had an Atari Jaguar with the CD attachment. They had the 3DO. I think there was a CDI there as well. And they had the Sega Saturn, the Sega CD with the Genesis. Um, There was lots of cool shit there. And they also had... um, a little arcade space tucked in the corner. Uh, basically, the whole deal is uh, you get uh, you pay nine bucks per person um, for the personal tour, and they also let you play a bunch of arcade games in there for free. And all the arcade machines there, you get infinite continues on. You don't have to put quarters in or anything. And we played a few games in there. Uh, they had a Nintendo and Super Nintendo there. Um, we played a little bit of the original Legend of Zelda since um, they had that on the OG Nintendo. We played a bit of Super Mario Kart, which was pretty fun. Um, they had the original Ninja Turtles arcade game, which we plowed through. And um, <laughs> what else did we play there? We also played um, the original Street Fighter Two there as well. And... Aside from Medium Punch not working, that was pretty fun, um, not gonna lie. Uh, we also went to uh, the original Pinball's Arcade, which is around that same area, and that location's pretty sick. Like, they have a whole bunch of old-school fighting game arcade machines there. They had X-Men Arcade, they had the Simpsons Arcade, uh, X-Men vs. Street Fighter was there as well, Street Fighter Two Champion Edition, um... They also had Super Street Fighter 4, which was pretty sick. Uh, lots of cool shit there. I definitely recommend um, uh, pinballs if you're ever in the Austin area, if you want a good arcade experience. Um, aside from actual game stuff, um, I actually uh, got in the mood to um, get back on my bullshit and um, uh, work on the new uh, Tire Shoes video. I'm actually getting around nice. to it. Um 
And it actually ties into a new story that we're going to get into. Uh, and I'm going to kind of spoil it a little bit. Um, I was also playing around with some emulation stuff for the sake of uh, recording stuff in high definition. And um, I just decided to play through the story a Tekken 4. Uh, since another reason uh, is because um, that game just hit its 20th anniversary of hitting consoles. And... That game actually kind of gets a lot of um, rep. Uh, people consider that game to be the black sheep of the series. Like, it definitely has problems, but in terms of story and presentation, Tekken 4 is probably one of the coolest entries in the series. Like, if you've ever seen the arcade machine back in the early 2000s, where you see Kazuya coming back from the dead and beating the shit out of the Tekken 4 soldiers, it's the coolest shit ever. And, yeah, the game looks good, even in HD. Um, it plays really well, too. Um, I really forgot how much mobility they give you in that game compared to the older games. Like, you sidestep and just move around uh, much more fluidly than you would in the older games. And it kind of tripped me up at first, but you eventually get used to it after a little bit. Um... Yeah, that's, that's still pretty fun. Um, you're eventually going to get through... Uh, you're eventually going to get a video on that uh, soon enough. Aside from that, I've dabbled a little bit in Master Duel. Uh, there is a Synchro XEs event going on. I haven't really touched on that. Um, aside from, like, solo duels and, like, uh, a bit of light deck testing, uh, I haven't really gone too in-depth with it as of late. But there, I will touch up on it as soon as we sign off at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. Or if you're listening to the audio version, you can probably skip to the end and you'll find out what the hell I'm talking about right now. So, yeah, that's all I got. Um, I only really got a couple things to talk about. Uh, I started Neon White, uh, which is the per interactive first-person uh, platformer shooter game. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it is pretty much, it's not a deck building game, it just happens that the guns you use are, just are in card form, and each gun you use has, can not only can you shoot it, but they all have like a basically a movement, so for instance, the revolver can double jump, the sniper rifle can dash forward, the shotgun can dash you in any direction you're facing, all that sorts of stuff. Uh, it's, it's really fun, um, it, it I would say it's like Doom for speedrunners, um, in the sense that... It's every stage is short, fast. It's about movement. It's about speed. It's about not stopping, uh, unless of course you're going after the bonus stuff, which case then you're gonna stop. Um, and then uh, it's also it's part that, and it's also kind of visual novel elements. Um, and uh, um, uh, where like you play, your main character is Neon White, who is amnesic. Uh, voiced by Steve Blum, and you are surrounded by other Neons who you know you, but they won't tell you who you are, so there's a kind of underlying plot, and you're working for Heaven, basically, as mercenaries to take out demons, but Heaven's angels are big assholes, and, like, there's this big underlying current of, like, uh, torture, what's going on with a certain Neon. It's it's really interesting. Um, I, I really like it. If, uh, I, if, um... If you're not, I'm not a speedrunner by any means, but this game will make you become one because it's about the, because the whole point of the game is your neon rank. You start at 99, 
And in order to get higher and actually progress the story, your neon rank has to be a certain amount. And they tell you that before you go get new missions. And usually it's not too hard. Um, I don't... And Okay, this is going to differ for everybody, but uh, for me it was never that difficult to get gold. At minimum you need gold. Um, and then platinum is like helps you increase your your rank a lot. Um, right now I'm at me on rank 56 or something like that. So I went from 99 to 56 in a week. So in, in that, and then also in each stage, there's gifts you can find for several characters. If you keep presenting gifts to the, to the NPC, you're basically your, the, the characters in the game, you can unlock basically sick secret levels that are more challenging. They're not time-based, but they're just more challenging your skills, like how often to use your cards at the right time. Uh, when you it, it feels like a it feels like a train track when it's going well because it's just like you're just laying it down and following a formula but it's it's satisfying so and most runs don't most stages don't take more longer than 30 seconds at best you know obviously gonna take longer if you're not necessarily good at the game but even then you're not gonna be there more than two minutes it's not a game that's you're gonna be there forever for one section unless you're trying to get the 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 the, the prize which is uh, the um if you're going for extra stuff. Uh, besides that, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins is kind of my obsession. Um, not Origins. I keep confusing the two. Uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey. Um, I don't know why, but I just like, it showed up on Game Pass. You know, I always wanted to try it. You know, Thomas speaks high, high, spoke highly about it. Um, Twitch gave away Assassin's Creed Origins recently while also it being on Game Pass earlier this year. So that's the confusion. Also, they look very similar when you just look at them like at a side-by-side side side comparison. Uh, but I played uh, Odyssey first because I wanted to be a tall Greek woman who looks like She-Hulk. Um, so I figured, why not try it? And I don't know how to feel about it in terms of its combat, in terms of its in terms of its progression. Because I'm a person who loved the first three, first one, two, Brotherhood, Revelations, four Assassin's Creed games in that core style, and even f- I would count four since I played so much of four. And I know I missed, like, several games after that where it was still the same formula, where Assassin's Creed kind of went downhill to where they had to make this progression. I don't know if I necessarily like the, the, the like less emphasis on assassinations and making an RPG element. And it could be the fact that I played Phoenix Rising first, which it feels like I'm playing a realistic version of that game, in all honesty. And you could take you can determine that as a good thing or a bad thing. I just consider it very similar. And it would probably develop around the same time, or at least... Um, uh, one of them was in the cooking line, but there were definitely there's definitely elements they share similar. Um, but in terms of what makes me keep playing it though, is it's 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 his environment. It's like ancient Greece is one of the first things you learn about in school. You become fascinated. Besides ancient Egypt fitting enough, and it, it's crazy to me how they took so long to do these kind of games. And it just captures like that ethos like even the people feel authentic and like with their hairstyles their facials like they it, they it felt like ubisoft did a the developers not necessarily the, the company but the, the the dev specific dev team did a good job of capturing that aesthetic with it like for the first time naval combat is back but now you can actually go underwater for the first time and let me tell you if you have a fear of the ocean deep um you're not gonna like it because it is terrifying and there are sharks in there and it's it's really really scary but it's cool because now you get sea shanties sung by, uh, or sea chanty, or basically uh, sea songs sang by uh, uh, Greek soldiers who I won't tell you how for spoiler reasons, but um, and like in one of the 
this is a spoiler. One of the first places you go to is the former is the home of Odysseus. Um, you know, the legend of the Odyssey. Like you visit his like ancient ruined kingdom. Who and, blinded you? It was and, nobody. And then um, you, and then I accidentally stumbled upon an area, and there's Thermopylae, where the battle for three hundred happened, and where the Persian like it's it's just there, and like how, I don't know how accurate this is, but like you know when you look at Greece as a um, as a region, like it's basically a mountainous region that's splintered off into peninsulas and and and, um, and islands and. It, it, it creates such a wonderful game, right? Because you have the Aegean Sea right there, which gives you that naval combat stuff, which I feel that naval combat here is a lot faster. So if you thought maybe the older Assassin's Creed games were faster, this one's a lot this one's a lot slower, this one's a lot faster in that sense. And I don't know if I find it as satisfying as though, because there's something really not satisfying about using the cannons and doing that. This one is a lot of bows and arrows, and it doesn't have as much impact, but maybe I have enough, a lot of stuff. So who knows? That's probably that. But I just really don't like the like the fact that you have to level up your assassination. Like you can't kill everybody. Sir, if you're high enough level, you can. But certain like lieutenants, basically Paul Marks, you can't kill them. And the big thing with this game is like it's basically region destabilization. If I'm being going to be pretty about it, and it's happening during the Peloponnesian War, which I believe that's the war between Athens and Sparta. Um, and they're fighting over for dominion of, of Greece. And so you basically are... One of the things you can do is you can either destabilize a region, in which case you loot... Like, in this instance, it's, in this instance, it's Athens, because fuck Athens. Um, you loot their treasure. You you, you burn their, loot, you burn their uh, convoys. You um, assassinate their troops in secret. And basically demoralize their morale so the leader has to come out of hiding... And then you kill the leader, and basically, and it initiates this basically all-out war scenario where you're surrounded by like a hundred dudes, both Spartans and Athenians, and it's just a big battle uh, to, to to like you kill as many. You have to kill more than they do because you're you're losing men at the same time as they are, and the whole and, and the thing is like your main character Cassandra or Alexios, you're not side of that. You're you're a mystios or a mercenary. Um, so I don't know how this connects to Assassin's Creed lore. I can already tell it's starting to form now, um, but I don't really like I don't really like all that stuff to be honest with you. I, but what I do like is the exploration uh, because it feels like because it's taking from the natural Greek typography, it feels so natural to want to go off and explore and find stuff. But the actual progression of how it's done, I don't necessarily like that. I, I'm not a fan. I wasn't minded in Phoenix Rising because it was its own game. It wasn't connected to anything, and it was learning something new. Versus here, because I'm used to it. Even I have, you know, I I played those games a de- like the deck a decade ago. I'm playing four. Re- I played four recently. It's fresh in my mind. It just doesn't feel like Assassin's Creed to me in in the very sense in that essence. It is because any like there's viewpoints, there's stuff like that that's still still there. But I could easily see someone be very like disenfranchised with Assassin's Creed with this direction because of the action RPG elements because it becomes very grindy. It, it does. Like, I won't lie. It, I don't mind it because it's fun finding new locations and, you know, skirking through, through the forest and all of a sudden here's a fucking cave that leads to some killer loot. You know, it's it's cool in that sense. But it's a heavily flawed game uh, is what I'll say. But I enjoy it because they nailed it graphically. Fidelity-wise, it's, it's the prettiest realistic game I've ever seen. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's in ancient Greece, a uh, time period that a lot of us were fascinated with when we were growing up. 
Um, I think the thing is like I already know Cassandra's a demigod, and like they and like the that's the one thing I criticize about it is that the like like they just signal that right away. I don't even have to have it spoiled for me. Like just the way she is and how they t- allude to talking about it, it's like I know you're a demigod. Like I know you're like this is, I don't know what kid she is. I'm pretty sure it's Zeus um, because it's always Zeus. Everyone is Zeus's kid. Let's be real. Um, so yeah, odds are good. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm gonna keep playing it probably till the end, or at least until I get tired of it, like I do with most Assassin's Creed games. But like. I, I haven't I haven't seen um, any reason to stop yet. Um, I only I don't get to play it that much during the during the week, um, so it's very it's very hard for me to put down um, in in that sense. And the combat does feel nice uh, if you're like you know obviously Assassin's Creed was not known for its combat. It was more about stealth and you wanted to avoid combat. This is like kind of the opposite. You know you got your, you got parries. You have abilities like you you actually one of the abilities you get which I really like to do a lot is the Spartan kick. You literally can Spartan kick somebody off, and you can kick people off cliffs and buildings, and they, if it's high enough, they will die instantly. So, um, that's neat. And, um, but the thing is, like, every single ability, some of them have up to a level 3 tier, and, like, okay, that's fine, but I can't upgrade my assassin killing ability to level 16. And I got level, and I got that at level, like, 7. So, like, there's some really questioning design choices there. But, again, I've already said why it's I'm, I'm playing it. It's flawed. But I'm having fun with it, and I think that's all that matters. Um, the last game I'll talk about is Live a Live. Um, the last time we... T- I haven't talked about this in a while, but I beat the uh, the ancient... Uh, the China one, uh, where basically you play as a monk. And all the thing I'll say about that is it's really cool because it ends like a martial arts film where you and your pupil go to the fortress of the enemy and basically you kung fu fight your way through a horde of bad guys until you get to the uh um yeah pretty much like like a like like that but in you know turn base and like you can let the imagination run in your head and um it it possibly has the coolest segment segue into a boss fight where your uh your master, who's old, who you play as, uh, you could take off one of three students, and I picked one student, I won't tell you who it is, because it, I don't want to tell you the fate of the other students, but one of your students joins you, and he tells you, I'm too old, because you've been fighting all these people, like, the the villain is like, I'm going to wear, he's basically wearing you down, so you're going to fight him, this is your opportunity, and he teaches you, and you remember the secret technique he taught you, um, Heavenly Peaks Descent, so like, your old master is powering up. He's going to take on two of his assassin bodyguards. And then you're standing on the table. You're powering up. And literally the, the whole like room starts shaking. The, the controller starts vibrating. And then you shout heaven. And like there's this great orchestral like rising piece playing. And then your main character shouts heavenly peaks ascent. Immediately translates to, transitions to Megalovania. Which is the boss fight theme for the game. And it's literally the most like okay I'm going to kick your ass now. Um... And, and and I did, and it was fantastic. It's it's not a long chapter, but it is it was so rewarding to get that. Um, and now I'm on the last chapter of that game, which is the uh, prehistoric chapter. And I was having a tough time of it until I just said, "Fuck it, I'll put a guide." Because the gimmick behind this chapter is that it's there's crafting. You can you can uh, find raw materials out in the wild. And it, or beat the shit out of prehistoric animals and get drops, or play a really easy mini game to get everything, which is what I did, and craft the best items right out of the gate. So it made it easier for me because I was I had to start over like twice. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And I just did that, and then now I'm having a lot more fun with it. Um, and I already know now um, there is a 
once you beat all the chapters, the characters basically assemble like the Avengers um, to fight whatever the evil that is basically the common evil that's sown through all eight chapters. So I'm excited to get to that. I haven't beaten it yet. Uh, moment because I've been like wishy-washy. Like, ah, I don't feel like playing it now. I'll, I'll play it later. You know, that kind of thing. But uh, I really like it. Uh, I wasn't sure. I thought Prehistoric was going to be like my least favorite. But it's not. It, it has its charms. Even though you nobody speaks in that era. Um, and they all grunt. Like, er, er, er. You know, they all do all that stuff. So it, But it's it has its own endearing moments. Um, plus you get to fart on your enemies. So there's that too. So, um, But that's all I've been playing. Uh, that at least I want to talk about. Let's go ahead and take a break because we got a lot of news to cover. And uh, let's, let's go ahead and go. So, uh, hello everybody. It's now time for... Uh, we're going to do a little catching up with some news first. Uh, we're not going to cover everything uh, because we have so much to talk about. Um, but uh, the Sony State of Play happened. And uh, here's kind of the big things that happened. So we're, I'm just going to run through it and then we can give our thoughts at the end. Uh, we officially got a trailer for Tekken 8, or the full gameplay trailer for Kazuya and Jin. Um, potentially this might have been an Unreal 5, we don't know, but full, and we got a title drop and everything. So Tekken 8 is officially happening. You can go to the PlayStation blog post for more. Title's a lot better than FX, FS6's title. Um, then after that, like the we have uh, Like a Dragon Ishin uh, is, com- is, uh, is coming to the West. Uh, via remake uh, this was a, a ps3 ps4 game in the 2010s but we never saw it because yakuza was not a thing here and yakuza has since exploded and like a dragon has seemingly solidified that so now this is basically a feudal era version of that so yes i guess just riding that that hype train so let you know it's there um, then we got like a dragon. Then we got a oh. uh, new God of War trailer, uh, which was basically a big story trailer. Which again, I'm not getting this game because I don't have the console for it. Uh, but it looked great, and also we're getting a dual sense uh, c- uh, controller for God of War Ragnarok, which looks pretty sick. Um, yeah, it does. And then uh, just a couple of minor things. Um, Hogwarts Legacy is getting a PS a PS exclusive quest. Um, and um, they they talked about some other indie games. Uh, there was a new uh, samurai game called Rise of the Ronin for Koi Tecmo that's going to come out soon. That's a couple of uh, there was an indie game shown, but those are those are the big announcements. So, what are your thoughts on the PlayStation State of Play? Uh, this was a hell of a good uh, state, uh, state of play for, uh, for me personally. Uh, the Tekken Eight trailer was uh, the first thing that showed up, and. It came pretty much out of nowhere. This trailer is awesome. Like, it gets all the good stuff uh, out of the way first. Like, it actually shows gameplay, which is something that they didn't do when they first unveiled Tekken 7 uh, uh, during its arcade run back in 2015. And graphically, this is the best it's ever looked. Like, it actually looks uh, much better than Tekken 7 did, which... Honestly, it's not saying so. much because it was kind of an early 360 PS3 looking game, in all honesty. And Tekken is usually um, a series that always likes to push the graphical fidelity of any new machine that it appears on. So, I'm expecting great things from this. I also noticed that um, uh, Jin got a new rage art in this one. That was a thing that they introduced in 7 as well. It's probably a new mechanic. 
But what exactly this entails, I'm not entirely sure. But otherwise, it just looks like some good-ass Tekken, man. It's just all the same combos that they've been doing, except uh, these new models were built from the ground up. And, yeah, I'm thoroughly impressed, and I want to see more. Uh, the only thing I have is the, the Hogwarts Legacy uh, PlayStation exclusive quest. Looks like a weird, like horror fantastic beasts crossover thing and i'm i'm kind of into it <laughs> i don't know it's like so totally different from everything else but i thought it was really cool and also of course god of war looks amazing but uh i feel like that's been done to death by now um like a dragon ishi like i want i want to snag that game when that comes out i still need to beat like a dragon seven um and uh, more, we'll talk about more like a uh, Yakuza, like a Dr- Yakuza stuff when we talk about the Tokyo Game Show. For Moving sure. on to the Nintendo Direct, which also happened the same week. Again, this is going to be rapid fire. Same day. Um, yeah, same, uh, same week, same day. Um, uh, fire Emblem Engage officially announced. We got a tra- we got a we got a full on gameplay trailer, story trailer. The main um, trailer is Pepsi Coon. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three expansion <laughs> wave, expansion pass two uh, wave got a got a, a trailer including showing up the new hero. Uh, Fist of the North Star Boxing uh, is a thing, uh, so go look at that. That one was hilarious. Um, that was weird. Octopath Traveler 2 officially got announced uh, via the Nintendo Direct and let everybody confused mm-hmm. as to what exactly what this was. Um, they announced include more uh, N64 online games, including um, 1080 Snowboarding, Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, and the most probably the most big bombshell one is uh, GoldenEye, which... Uh, just to cut everything off with the pass, will also become an Xbox Game Pass uh, via it, but that will be a full-on remaster versus this one's going to be the uh, in in sixty four original. Um, but the Game Pass version won't have online multiplayer, and this one as will. we know, but I don't. I, but they may. I don't know if they said anything of it. It won't have multiplayer or not. I think they. I think did they, they did. Oh, okay. That's why. Um, that's why it came out. Uh, Mario Strikers uh, Battle League got a free update. We got a sneak peek at the Mario Eight Deluxe Booster Course. Only two courses. Bayonetta Three got one final story trailer. Um, all Resident Evil Seven, uh, Resident Evil Seven, Eight, Two, and Three are all heading to Switch via Cloud. Um, Crisis Core Final Fantasy Seven Reunion got a trailer, not Cloud. Tales of Symphonia got a re- is a remaster is heading to Switch as long as a whole bunch of other consoles. Uh, as mentioned earlier, Justin Kirby's Return to Dreamland uh, remake on the Wii is getting uh, is coming to Switch, and then finally, after nearly five years of development time, we finally and we have a we have a full on release date and a title the, and a very 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 short trailer. Um, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom will be coming to us May thirteenth, twenty twenty three. So it looks like we're finally going to get the Zelda game we've been wanting. We can no longer call we no longer call it Breath of the Wild two, although a lot of us still will because it's Force of Habit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Tears That's of the, the only Ki- thing we were right about Tears of the Kingdom. I love this logo though, with like the the circular kind of runic shape. It's an it's and an then the sword going like an, glitchy. Yeah, I know what it is. I'm just saying that for the audience. It's it's oh yeah, it's built to kind of look like hieroglyphy though. Yeah. Um, and then the sword like devolving into kind of this like digital. It's it's really it's unique looking. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if it actually sticks to that release date. Um, I was wrong about it. Yeah. Uh, not coming out in twenty twenty four, but hey, crazy things have happened. 
Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm only thing I'm really excited about was Octopath Traveler 2, uh, because you guys know how much I love 1, um, even though it feels like now everybody's turning on that game for some reason. I don't know why, but whatever. Um, but that, this one looks good because it looks like it's set like in the early 1920s, uh, at least a little bit, at least aesthetically, because you got like people in suits and guns and shit. Uh, and then Fire Emblem Engage, a dumb title, and the main character may or may not look it is. Um, interesting, but this is supposed to be Fire Emblem's, like, uh, anniversary game. This is what this game was supposed to come out during their anniversary time, and that's why the whole gimmick is that you can basically personify, summon uh, Fire Emblem Heroes of Past, and uh, we saw Marth in the trailer, uh, Lynn is already in the trailer, and several other he- uh, heroes are in there, so I'm I'm excited for that. Um, because Lucina is in it, and she's one of my favorite characters in Fire Emblem, so uh, that comes out January, uh, end of January 2023. Um, Tyler, you got anything for the Nintendo Direct that you're excited about? Uh, I'm personally excited to play through Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2 again. Uh, Another thing that uh, we might have skipped over uh, when it comes to the N64 stuff, they're also bringing uh, Mario Party 1, 2, and 3 on there. Oh and yeah, I'm totally. Those excited would be cool for that. with multiplayer. Yeah, we got to get on those multiplayer shenanigans, and we are playing oh, the yeah. shit out of Waluigi Island. <laughs> I didn't play much of three, so that'd be cool. It is completely trolly. I will say that much. Mm. Okay, so and the the mini games in Pokemon Stadium one and two. For we got to sure. get that. Those are fun. Online. Yeah. Okay. Um, you actually skipped quite a few things, I just, but a lot of it was farming I guess sense. That's a, like, I, that was kind like, of the joke going around. Yeah, I was around. just mentioning the big stuff. I didn't want to spend too much time since we got so much to cover. Fair. But one big thing, I think at least, is the new Story of Seasons game. Um, it's another one that is a remake of an old Harvest Moon game, uh, Harvest Moon Wonderful Life. And it's kind of an interesting one, because it was one of the first 3D, like, you know, full 3D games. Um... And it doesn't have the normal, like, three-year life cycle or whatever of a game. It actually has your character, like, living their whole life. Like, getting older, having a kid. The kid grows up and, like, helps on the farm and then, like, leaves for college. And, like, your character actually grows old. And I assume dies. I haven't actually played very much of this one before, but um, I just think it's really cool. Like, it's kind of a different take on the series. Um, And it's nice that this one's getting a remake. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Octopath 2 was cool, uh, kind of surprising. Um, uh, Square continues to just, just have the worst titles with various day life. Um, and there was one more that I would, oh, Pikmin 4. Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a big one. Um, granted, there wasn't a lot of information about it, but they just basically confirmed that it's, it's in development. Um, they don't have much to show yet, but what I thought was really cool is not in this trailer. Um, they, they showed an image, uh, of your perspective in the game, basically. And it's now like, uh, kind of, I guess, bottom up. Like you, you were seeing everything from the perspective of the Pikmin rather than kind of the overhead view that it's always been before. And that's just going to drastically change the way the game looks and plays um, in kind of that, you know, third person over the shoulder. It's like when God of War went from like the, you know, kind of static camera angle to the, you know, new God of War games. 
with the over the shoulder like constant camera staying on him it's that kind of drastic change where it's just going to make everything much more cinematic and like you're going to really see the scale of it all and i think that's really that's a cool change um it's probably the biggest like change to the status quo of the game or of the series i should say yeah a lot of Awesome. Um, yeah. Some people call it mid. Some people are exciting, but as with any Nintendo Direct, that's pretty standard. That, that means that means it was pretty standard uh, by everyone's affair. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and Zelda looks great. I love the title. Um, I I wish we got more of a trailer, but the only thing that bothers me is like they actually confirmed that it's Tears of the Kingdom, and I really wanted it to be a play on words of Tears and Tears. Yeah, but they're like, no, it's just Tears. Yeah, it's it's, it's like, but. Yeah, it's weird. It's got called. It's right tears. there. Like, I mean, it's called tears because tears of the kingdom, you know. But I mean, you can call it whatever you want. Sure. People, people pronounce games names all the time, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, EA Originals uh, are pa- uh, partners with Dynasty Warriors Studio for a new Monster Hunter like. Um, EA has announced a partnership with Koi Tecmo um, and Dynasty Warriors Studio Megaforce for a new hunting game. Uh, we don't know a lot of details yet, but uh, EA said it's a AAA experience and it's based in Fantasy Feudal Japan. We're expected to get more details about this later this month, which could be at Tokyo Game Show, which might be the thing we would talk about later. Uh, we'll see. Um, so pretty much, in in a sense, that they're working together for a new Monster Hunter. It could be the fact that you know other companies are starting to see that Monster Hunter is a is a big thing. Uh, Epic tried that with Dauntless. I think people still play Dauntless, mm-hmm. but I don't know for sure. Well, it um, does. Yeah. Uh, you don't hear us talked about, say, some of their other games, to put it kindly. Yeah. Um, but we're just done. But it's neat they're doing, like, basically a, a triple A, like, indie original. Yeah. Um, usually they're the smaller titles. Yeah. So. We'll see. so, look forward to saying, maybe it'll be, I don't, I haven't read the Tokyo Game Show, so maybe it's in there, but um, uh, EA's trying to make that move out east. Uh, okay. Moving on. Uh, this is a real quick one. Uh, Babylon's Falls game service is ending in 2023, um, which, uh, congratulations to the one guy who kept playing, because that was the one joke everybody kept making. Wait, no, oh, no. come back. Anyway. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, going back, uh, EA, uh, this is more EA stuff, uh, The Sims 4 base game will now be basically free to play, or free to download, rather, for everybody. Uh, as EA and Maxis have announced that the game will be uh, across all platforms, including PC, PS4, PS5, and current-gen consoles. Um, and they said this statement, with the Sims base, uh, 4 base, uh, Sims 4 base going free, team is more dedicated than ever to developing new and meaningful way experiences for players, and will continue to develop and release packs, kits, and Sims delivery express drops in the foreseeable future. And so, yeah, uh, it um, sounds as the EA and Maxis have plenty of content Never since four that will be as a special edition stream that's going to happen next month. Um, and admittedly, there's not a lot of content in the base game, so this is just kind of a way for them to like get more people, you know, hooked, yeah. so that they'll buy more content packs. Yeah. But I mean, free is free. Like some people just use this to like design, you know, like do interior decoration and stuff and build houses. And I mean, you can do all that for free now. It's just like the the dense, like all the costumes and the you know, story packs and things like that that are paid now. Because um, you can download a bunch of custom stuff from fans that's totally free online. Yeah, which is, which get this game on PC. 
get the get all the mod stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, next up is a pretty big announcement, and this may be an announcement that Godzilla fans have been wanting for for a long time. Uh, it's seeming that the game uh, Gigabash uh, is having a collaboration with Toho slash Godzilla, and it seems like the big god, the big G himself, is going to be in basically a spiritual successor of his game from twenty years ago. So. No new original Godzilla game, but looks like he may play. And also, the developer hinted that it won't just be Godzilla himself. So a lot of people are speculating what other kaiju slash titans will be joining the battle in Gigabash. Which I guarantee you, this game will see its sales jump up astronomically just because Godzilla's in the game. Um, For sure. No sure if it's a free update or if it's cost. Don't know what Gigabash. It's is. basically destroy all monsters, but for modern day, like you, it's a it's an arena brawler with. Uh, a, a, a roster of monsters and mechs. It's very small. And if you want to see what those games but, are like, I have two reviews on the PS2 games <laughs> on the chart shot. What that, that's, channel. that's pretty Check much. That's pretty much what it is. And and so like, it's a pretty. And they're all original characters. Yes. Like. So Godzilla being is kind of a big deal, which. You know, I heard the game was okay, but I guarantee you more people are going to check it out because, you know, it's Godzilla. Um, and, and, and people are mm-hmm. wanting, people are hungry for that, so maybe Toho's using this as a proving ground to uh, see if the West really wants a Godzilla game. Uh, we'll see. Um, Shit, yeah, we do. I just hope uh, Anguirus doesn't come with them. Uh, this is a bit of a sad one. Um, unfortunately, not unexpected considering the era we live in. Uh, but uh, G4 TV, which launched last year, a, a little bit last year, uh, was hit with some was hit with some pretty big layoffs. Uh, Twenty to thirty staff members were let go at the time, um, and of course, you know, we all know G4 TV. Um, they came back uh, back in the two thousands. Uh, you know, they were like the only way you could get like video game content like on cable, and um, you know they came back last year with a Twitch channel, YouTube channel, and of course on cable. I don't even know what cable channel they were on because I don't have cable. Um, and of course, it's it's pretty sad. A lot a lot of them were like apparently they came in. From what I understand, a lot of the, the people who were let go, they came into that day prepared to shoot, prepared to do on stuff, and they were called in by HR that day to basically go, like, you're, you're gone. Mm-hmm. So even though they pro- HR probably knew about it months ahead, um, which which yep. sucks. Uh, it's awful. But at the same, at the same time, um, in the post-2011 era where people, because G4 went away and basically YouTube content creators kind of took that, took that spotlight and ran... And I don't know how well the Twitch or YouTube is doing, but obviously they don't. The network doesn't. The company that owns them doesn't care about that. They care about what's doing it on television ratings. Um, most people who play video games are not going to go to G four, no matter what gaming personalities you get to watch stuff. They're just not going to. They're going to go to their Twitch and YouTube because most of them are cord cutters. Then have cable, so you have to ask yourself at one point, like how relevant is how how. Can you maintain like something like that on on a at least on a um, cable uh, succession Twitch and YouTube? Would probably if it, it would just done on Twitch and YouTube, different story. Probably not as big to get like people like Xavier Woods, you know, WWE wrestler on there to afford that because I guarantee you he's probably not super cheap to hire to do stuff like that. Um, but mm-hmm. it's it still sucks regardless um, for all the people who did work there, and I know a lot of people who worked on there. Um, you know, was there a dream to work on G4? And it seems like a lot of the hosts are safe, um, except Frost. Frost was yeah. fired. She was um, the more outspoken one, but, which is unfortunate. Yeah, she got herself in trouble after all the after all the layoffs happened, and they bought out the rest of her contract a week later. Um, 
apparently. But I think it was a lot of the behind the scenes people that actually make these things happen. Yeah. And so basically they lost a ton of the experience that were able to do the production stuff that they were doing. So now everyone's speculating it's just going to be like the on, like, you know, face personalities just talking at a camera more because they're not going to have the people they need to do the, you know, the skits and things like that that G4 is known right. for. So it's like, you have the personalities, but you don't have the personality. Right. It, like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, and it's also worth noting that uh, Fangamer yeah. also shut down. Lot. Um, like right around the same time yeah, too. It was, it was it was just like out of nowhere, and it was really horrifying to see all yeah. the stories. So, uh, hopefully, all those people can. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of bad right now. Yeah. For that community, a lot of people without yeah. jobs. Um. Okay. Uh, moving on to another big uh, news story. Um. GTA Six. Uh. Was the not only was a alpha version of the game leaked or even pre-alpha version of the game leaked the source code was also leaked um uh it, it was pretty bad and at the time of this recording the i think they believe is a 17 year old hacker has been caught uh not it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to it's kind of to go into it um we don't exactly know how it happened uh but uh it was a um over 90 videos were posted i saw some of them i didn't really uh, look into it um um, and stuff like that. Uh, and and apparently the person who was behind it tried to negotiate with Rockstar. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen. Um, they even sent out mm-hmm. a leak, um, uh, information about the leak about a few days later about about it. Um, it's it's pretty da- it can be pretty damaging. Um, for what happened, I'm, it's I don't really care about the alpha footage getting out because that's whatever. Although it did expose a lot of people being idiots and it's like this game looks like trash i'm like you know not understanding what everyone knows graphics are the first things that are done in a game which did lead a cool trend to uh, game developers showing off alpha footages of their games which that was cool that was like the only cool fallout but yeah the guy who did it the person who did it has been arrested um and they're probably gonna get they're probably gonna face heavy jail time for this um Mm-hmm. For for hacking like that, I mean, I think Rockstar did get the FBI involved in this, um, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, um, uh, we won't. But honestly, like, it, so I saw some people say that the the footage seemed like it was from like 2019, just based on there's like kind of a, a HUD on the video, um, and you can see like the computer specs and things like that that it's running off of, and they were guessing just based on that that it was probably 2019 or so. And the game looked solid. Like, yeah, there was some missing graphics and some, you know, placeholder animations and that kind of thing. But, like, uh, AI and stuff was very strong for something so early. So we could probably guess that the game's pretty far along by now. And that's neat. Like, I mean, if if it already looked that good, like, it's going to be an insane game. And this didn't necessarily hurt the publicity for it. (laughs) Except for, you know, exposing Rockstar is terrible, which we all already knew. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was the initial basis that they said that this is this is retribution for the poor working conditions. Um that was their that was yeah. their reasoning. Um so we're not we're not dick sticking Rockstar. It's just that, you know, the people who are working behind it don't deserve to have their shit leaked out like that. Um but it was a pretty big leak and they're caught. Um of course you're gonna get caught, you're gonna get caught. Uh next up there was some other stuff that came out too, um, which none of it really mattered that much because it was like Diablo 4, which you already know about and that kind of thing. Um, 
but it wasn't just GTA 6 that got leaked. That was just the big one because it's really the first gameplay we've seen of the game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It, it was. It was the. It was the thing people were focusing on, which was GTA 6. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I didn't look at the footage because I was like, I shouldn't be looking at this um, because it's not meant to be seen. But you know, I'm not going to judge you for looking at it. Um, next up, I looked at it because fuck Rockstar. Well, I I didn't I didn't want to look at it. Um, that's all. Uh, next up, uh, Iron Man is now getting a new game, um, in association with, uh, EA Motive, the, the, the team who's behind, behind the upcoming Dead Space remake, uh, announced that they're doing a Iron Man remake, um, we have no, nothing, it's just an image, uh, other than that it, it's the team, and, um, I'll, I'll, only I'll say about a new Iron Man game, this is the first Iron Man game since we had since Iron Man 2, uh, way back when. Um, and, uh, just let me customize... I mean, he was in the Avengers. Uh, I, well, I, like, just Iron Man by himself. Um... <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and I, I just, just let me customize Iron Man how I want. Um, colors, weapons, um, uh, just let me, let, let, like, the best cool thing about Iron Man is he's everything. You, Tony Stark is a genius, so he can make everything, so let me, the player design my own iron man that's the only thing i would really care about that'd be sick it's ea they're definitely gonna put cosmetics in there yeah. well like not just cosmetics but like weapons like let me choose my loadout like do i want repulsor mm. right oh, that's okay. like do yeah or do i want to tuck the stealth iron man like let like i know that's a lot to ask and i know it's not easy but like the the cool thing about iron man is that he has an iron man suit for every situation so let me experience that mm-hmm What's funny is it's probably going to end up being, like, uh, Anthem. Like, you know, Anthem kind of came and went, but, like, the the gameplay there was solid as far as, like, kind of, you know, making you feel like Iron Man, even though it's not an Iron Man game. So now if they make an Iron Man game essentially using that engine, like, it's going to, I mean, it's going to play well. And that also has the, you know, customizable loadouts of your weapons and abilities and things like that. So, like, that that's your basis right there. Um, I just don't want them to have Nolan North voicing Iron Man. Um, I probably let someone I'll else probably do doubt it. it just because of the reception. Just because it's two different studios, um, they probably don't mm-hmm. want to have that confusion. Like, oh, is this connected to Avengers? They probably don't want that. So That's I true. doubt they'll bring uh, Nolan North over uh, unless let let Adrian Pazdar do it. He does great on the cartoons. Um, I don't know. It'll probably be somebody we haven't heard of in a while or a recognizable voice who hasn't done Iron Man before slash Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I don't care if it's co-op or not. Just make it make it cool. Show off Iron Man's villains. You know all the cool armor stuff. You know, um, obviously the armor is gonna look cool because of like, you know, modern tech gaming technology. But yeah. Um. Sure. Next up is uh, we have an official teaser trailer for Sonic Primes, which is coming out winter of tw- of this year. Um. Uh. And I I don't. I don't, I don't know how to feel about this cartoon. I think it just, I think it looks weird, and not in the good way. I do like the it, voice actor they chose for Sonic for this cartoon. It's yeah, pretty cool. Who is it? It's a, it's a new actor. Uh, Z, uh, Zeno Robertson, oh, okay. uh, an up and coming voice actor. Uh, yeah. I think they just casted gotcha. him for the <coughs> English dub for the Digimon Adventure remake, since that's getting a dub yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So. It mostly looks like the cutscenes and like the 3D Sonic games, but there is a weirdness to like his spin dash. 
Like, it looks like it's a solid object instead of kind of being like a, you know, a, a blurry ball. That's kind of weird. I mean, that's kind of how it was in the 3D game, so it's not too out of place. Yeah, but it's just, I don't, I don't know, something with, like, the the visual of it in a TV show looks strange. I get what you're saying. So, yeah, that's coming out. I'll probably check it I'll out. Watch it. It's it's got to be better. I mean, like Boom is it's it's not going to be Boom, and I think that's the big thing it has to do. It has to separate itself from Boom, which was like a lot of people love mm-hmm. that show. So we'll see how it goes. If it's going to be more traditional Sonic, um, but uh, besides that, we're going to round up our news coverage with Tokyo Game Show. Uh, this is our last bit of news of today. Uh, so again, this is going to be another try to be as rapid as I can. Uh, Capcom had a huge showing at Tokyo Game Show. Uh, they showed a lot of Street Fighter VI. Uh, they we we got World Tour, we got uh, Ken Dawson, uh, Ken Dawson, Honda, and Blanc all playable, and also the whole roster, and also open beta tests happening. I believe um, it's gonna be in a few weeks. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be an 18th uh, man roster, I believe. Um, but I, a lot of people are nothing but happy about Street Fighter 6. The starting roster looks way better than the one from Street Fighter 5. I will say that much. Yeah, we know everybody who's in. I've seen other people disappointed, like, 18 is unacceptable. I mean, if if, if it didn't have the World Tour mode, I would say yes, because it's only two more than Street Fighter 5. But the fact that World Tour mode is going to be as extensive as it is, which it's going to have Final Fight mode. You can you have, It's basically a Metroidvania, but in Metro, Metro City... There's a lot to do in this game, so I'll. Metrovania. I, I will. I will. I will. Anybody who's saying that, number one, you don't want to learn 40 matchups day one. You're not. You're gonna hate that. So shut up. Um, there's yeah. gonna be single player content, and then that's that's to me is acceptable trade. I was like, okay, Which I'm excited about. Fine. Yeah. You're, you're, you have to, I'll take 18 less player, 18 less playable care, 18 characters on the chance that your single player is is death. And again, there's a lot more I can talk about, but I don't want to because it's too much. Um, they gave another yes. look on uh, X-Pro Primal, which is a dinosaur game uh, that's supposed to come out next year. Um, they gave a little showing off of uh, Resident Evil 8, the Shadow of Rose DLC, um, and also we got a sneak peek at the new Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak uh, update that's uh, going to be bringing three new monsters uh, uh, coming soon, which is at the end of this month. Um, uh, Tekken 8 it got a bit of, and Tekken 8 got more showing. It is going to be in Unreal 5. Um, basically, uh, and, and this is going to be uh, unlike Street Fighter Six, which will be on PS4, on previous gens and current gens. Uh, second Eight will be only on next gen. Um, so, Good. So there's that, um, yeah. and of course it's going to be on PC. I just hope that it has crossplay and rollback. But with rollback, I'm not too sure because Harada is pretty stubborn about that. Yeah. Um, hmm. And then uh, One Piece Odyssey is now coming out January 13, 2023. Supposed to come out this year. It got delayed to next year. So there's that. Okay. Um, then Sega, of course, they announced Like a Dragon, uh, Jakuza Eight, uh, or uh, it's uh, it's called Like a Dragon in Japan. I guess like the that's the Biohazard thing, and they're call, they're just starting to call that over here. Um, so yeah, like I think a, in Japan, it's called the Legend of the Dragon. Legend of the Dragon, more or less. Okay, but Yakuza. Well, this says they're they're now calling Yakuza by Like a Dragon yeah. to to make it the same here. And yeah, so Japan. Like a Dragon Eight, uh, which is starring the the seven protagonists, Kiri, uh, Kazuma. Uh, um, oh God, um, I can't remember his name. Kazuma Kiryu. No, no, no. Seven. Seven was a different protagonist, and uh, Ichiban. Ichiban, but Kazakiryu is in the game, and he has gray salted hair, so he's an aged old man. 
Um, so he's the, when you want to retire, but but the streets need you. Uh, one more time, Kiryu. He's just gonna die in these games. Is, is what I'm gonna say. I thought he had a good ending. Kiryu will never die, Ben. Just um, like how he will never hit a woman. Sonic Frontiers also got a playable appearance, and it seems like the growing the positivity for that game is just growing. The closer we get to this November mm-hmm. release date, um, it's because they're actually showing off yeah. more. Um, and then like Supersonic is a game mechanic in this game. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, we got a few Western Studios who made some appearance. Uh, Sadly, Quantic Dreams was there and spoke about their Star Wars title. Um, uh, so not much to talk about there. Um, PlayStation. Uh, it was announced that the exclusivity on PlayStation for uh, Deathloop drops. So now that's on. Not only is it on Xbox consoles and PC, it's on Game Pass. So if you were waiting to play for it, uh, it's out. It's out there. Um, it was also just added to the PlayStation Plus Premium uh, collection. I noticed when I logged in the other night. So yeah. there you go. It's free for PlayStation people too. So there like you that, go, which is cool. Um, a couple of other announcements: uh, Konami announced uh, that uh, that in Three and in Two will be both receiving HD remasters next year on uh, Switch, uh, pretty much on everything. Um, so like, like you know, hitting that. Like, talk shit about Konami all you want. They're not making new games. But every single collection they've done with Contra, Teenage Turtles, Castlevania, they've all been out of the park. So if this is going to be like that... And this Weekend Remasters look insane. Yeah. Like, they are they are basically built... For yeah, and they're out. not HD2D by any means, because that's Square's thing, but they, they look really good for what yeah. they are. So, and considering how... Ex- yeah, all new backgrounds yeah. and Cons- everything. Con- it's a JRPG. 2023 year is going to be just another insane year for... Uh, JRPG fans on all consoles. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, we got a new trailer for uh, Wulong Fallen Dynasty, which is made by the same people who made Neo. Um, and uh, looks like that that's about that's about it uh, for Tokyo Game Show. So pretty big announcements. Pretty not not super big, but if you were a Street Fighter fan, you were happy. Um, definitely, if you were a Suikoden fan, you were happy. Um, a lot of, a lot of good stuff coming out out of Tokyo Game Show. I think two major, but enough. Um, okay, so now we're going to do our discussion topic of the night, which is kind of spurred on. We were talking in Discord about like about open world games, this, you know, me playing Origins, there I did it again, um, Odyssey, um, <laughs> playing Odyssey, and like, well, what is this about open world games? Like, why did we start these so many of these games, and why don't we stop them? And we're, and we're not developers, so just keep that in mind. Um, of course, we're not developers, but like, how would we fix open world design? Because seemingly everybody, seemingly most games, uh, at least of the AAA variety, are shifting even more so to the open world design. And how would we fix that? Uh, but let's go around this first and say what we don't like about open world games. Uh, considering I got this idea from you, Justin, what is it about open world games that don't hold your attention? Uh, well. I mean, just in general, it, it's not ideal for ADHD because you, uh, you're very easily distracted. <laughs> so having a lot of things on your map to go to, like, I'll, I'll start heading towards an objective and then find, like, five things along the way and then end up going towards a different objective instead um, and never actually, like, you know, progress the plot or anything. But in general, what I don't like about open world games is just the, the kind of meandering quality of it. Like, there's only so much story you can tell when you have to spread it out across this whole space. Like, look at the difference between, you know, classic Zelda games and Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, the quote-unquote story, is basically the beginning of the game. The end of the game 
and then the like memories that you find at random spots on the map and that's about it there's like the atmospheric storytelling i guess technically from like you know the side quests and stuff you get along the way and there's a novelty to that if it's done right but i will always prefer just a you know a, a more linear narrative like tight story where you might have some open zones along the way um like the final fantasy 10 you know it's a very linear game but then like in the back quarter or whatever it opens up with the calm lands and you have kind of this open area that has like some other stuff to do and then there's like the end of the game essentially something like that where you know it, it combines the linear with the non-linear but in general just that non-linear structure tends to turn me off because i'm like i'm never going to actually beat this there's too much stuff in it and it leads to you know less tight level design because it's just open space i mean friggin you know final fantasy 15 perfect example Probably another good example um, would be at the end of 13, uh, where the game actually opens up after, like, a two discs of fucking hallways. Yeah. I never I never got that far in 13. Um, but 15 is the opposite, where, like, it starts open world, and it's very meandering and slow, and then, like, the back half of the game is actually pretty solid story-wise, because it kind of, like, gates you on these, you know, these, like, mini-continents that you take a train to. So it's like they can actually tell their narrative, but still kind of send you off with like a few side quests and stuff in these much more, you know, smaller, like confined areas um, in between train stops. So, yeah, I don't like how meandering they are. Kind of like my, my explanation. Tyler? Yeah, I think uh, Justin kind of hit it on the nail for me. I'm also pretty easily distracted when it comes to like open world games. Like, when they give you too much to do, um, I focus on doing one thing instead of what the game actually wants me to do. A uh, perfect example of this, I was playing Saints Row the Third uh, back when it was new, and um, I just felt like uh, driving around, crashing my car instead of advancing the story, because it, mm-hmm. it let you do that without any real consequence aside from, you know, the cop shooting at you or whatever. And there's usually some rewards still for these little, like, you know, achievements and things like that. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, it's just a matter of um, probably putting you on, like, the beaten path, I guess. Like, if there was a better way of, like, leading you uh, to point A to point B without all this uh, distracting shit in the way... Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's more of a me problem, uh, in all honesty. Uh, I'm not saying that this will equate to everyone, but... You know, it's just whatever. Like nowadays, I I uh, I have better focus when it comes to like open world games, um, but it's still a matter of uh, just fixating my attention on one thing rather than the big grand scheme of things. I guess. Uh, for me, I would have to say it's. Um, I think it's their stories that suck. Because the reason for me why I like to play, like, like why I'll become invested in any game is its narrative, especially something like an open world game where you, the, the, all the the world is your oyster, and a lot of them just suck. And I'm looking at Ubisoft; a lot of them are just uninteresting, or they're not compelling enough to, for me to drive. I can I can 
You have to find the story. Yeah, and and that's not and and that can be fun in its own rights, but usually the narrative isn't necessarily even worth it to doing it, to doing that. Um, and even then, I find that it's it's not narratively rewarding to do any of that stuff. Um, because I like. And also, I feel like just wasting the player's time with m- minuscule shit, like you know, kill all the bandits in this area. Like that stuff needs to die. That 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 stuff is just to, especially to lock it behind like completionist progression or player progression overall. No, none of that. You know, I'm not saying everything needs to be unique, but I'd rather do a side quest or like I go find something versus kill 20 dudes in an area, you know, for, to advance a bar a meter or something. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's for me is the, the narratives usually just aren't worth it. The narratives just aren't worth it. They usually suck. Even Breath of the Wild, I think sucks, but Breath of the Wild is a special case because I think the exploration is warranted enough. So I wanted to keep looking for stuff versus most games. Um, I don't think the the like at least co- like geographical wise is it is it cool enough for me to want to explore further? Uh, but that's something game by game. Eh. You you're just tracking down pins on the yeah. map. Like it's it's completion rate at that yeah. point. I mean, like exactly. So now comes what did you what do you think is an example of a good of a good open world game? that other games could set to be a standard. It doesn't have to be one that's out yet. It can be one that looks promising. Um, but what is what is something that should be like basically the flag bearer? Like, this is how open world should be handled going forward. Well, I mean, that is inherently a hard question to answer with a game that isn't out because we don't really know. Like, one example I had made when we were talking privately was Sonic Frontiers. Seems like it's a game... That is like you know it's it's an open world game for people that don't like open world games because they're ta- they're calling it open zone where it's like kind of smaller chunks with you know mini levels branching off from it um, and that sounds more like what I would want but I don't know how that game's going to turn out so I don't want to use it um, I would say probably the best example is like Fallout New Vegas um, because that is a game where the the narrative is what's driving you forward. Like, yes, it is very open. Um, the map isn't too big, I don't think. But for the most part, like, if you go to an area you're not supposed to be in, you're going to get killed. Um, and you learn that you're going to get killed by going there. Like, you know, the, the friggin' death claws or whatever um, are just going to come out and be like, oh, okay, I'm not supposed to go there. Or like, you know, classic Final Fantasy did this too really well. Um, but I think... New Vegas is a it's a more modern game. It makes it more uh, visually noticeable uh, than just like running into a, a wild battle on a field five feet away from where you're supposed to be, and suddenly there's like a you know level ninety thing attacking you. But with New Vegas, like there's side towns and stuff you don't have to go to, but a lot of them actually have really interesting like self-contained stories in them um, that can affect your uh, your like alliance with different your allegiance with different uh, groups and things like that. But for the most part, like everything you do is at least going towards the overall narrative. It's world building. Whereas a lot of these games are just fetch quests. And I mean, 
the Fallout games have their fair share of that too. But I think they do a good job at making the world more interesting and trimming a lot of that extra fat. So you're more focused on the narrative. And if you do get distracted, it's by something just as interesting. Rather than just having a ton of stuff to do, whether it's interesting or not. Tyler? Um, honestly, I was kind of having a hard time of, like, the best example of an open-world game that uh, others could, like, take a cue from. And the only two that uh, really came to mind uh, were probably bad ones. Again, Saints Row the Third and Spider-Man 2. Um, I was able to beat uh, Saints Row the Third just fine, even though I was completely distracted. Spider-Man 2, it's hard to get through that game because it's just so fun swinging around, goofing around and shit. So, yeah. probably the best example I could give is probably Xenoblade Chronicles 1, because it actively mm. rewards you every time you, like, go to new areas, and uh, you actually get experience. Uh, it's just one of those games where it just constantly rewards you for going to new places and, like, branching off the beaten path. And it's just pretty much catharsis by proxy, and... It's just one of the few instances where I actually feel good about uh, going off on my own rather than just feeling bad that I'm not playing the game like the devs intended. Because that's exactly how they want you to play the game. So, yeah, there's my pick. There. I actually did think of that one, but I wasn't sure if it counted as open world. I'm pretty sure it is. That's that's that game's whole gimmick. Uh, the worlds are huge. Yeah. The world's your oyster. You, if you can see it, that's you fair. can explore it. Also, on the note of Spider-Man, Spider-Man PS4 slash, you know, PS5 slash Miles Morales are also really good examples of open-world games. That's true. But they have a little bit too many, like, unnecessary side objectives, like the, the you know, crimes you have to do in each yeah. area and things like that for the 100%. Yeah, that definitely does get out of hand at points, especially during yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cliche, but it's Breath of the Wild for me. Um... And I know it, and now it should be because hmm. every other developer trying to do this is doing it the wrong way, except so far Sega's being going to be the, will they actually see what people enjoyed about Breath of the Wild versus, you know, read, read like, I'll just make it open world. Um, and that's because, to me, while narrative, it's not the strongest Zelda game, but at least from a exploration standpoint, I... I just couldn't stop trying to find new stuff and nooks and crannies and stuff like that. Even if it wasn't that narratively engaging, I just felt myself lost in its world. And that to me is what an open world game should do. You should want to be lost in its world, be immersed to the point where like you feel like you're actually there. And I thought Breath of the Wild is a great example of that. Like you could be doing something and you look to your right and then you could see like this weird looking hill on the top of something and you're like, well, what's that? And you go there and you start a fucking, you either find a shrine or you find like a, a quest marker or something. Um, and I or think, you get killed by a Lionel. Yeah. So I, I, I as, as, as Nintendo dickery as that sounds, I, I think Breath of the Wild is the, fl- is the thing that people should cast their flags on. Um, I know that's a cliched answer, but when I think of the ones I've played, um, none of them, that is what I feel like should be the future of it. Uh, this next question I want to ask is, do you think they're too big? Um, because I know the criticism for a lot of people who don't like open world games is that they're too big. Games are getting too big when 
prior to 2010, we were like, oh my god, make it bigger, make it bigger. Like, that was the whole tout with Skyrim, is that its map was X huge compared to this thing. So, Justin, do you believe open world games are getting too big and we should reduction size, or are we fine, or should we go bigger? Yes, they're too big. Um, so, I I personally think that the best... I was actually thinking about this on, on, like as I was leaving work the other day after we brought this topic up. Um... I think the best open world games were early on, which is why I bring up New Vegas, because they were hindered in size by the limitations of the hardware. So they had to make things interesting in the space they could afford, um, rather than just, you know, brag about how big their map was. Like GTA V, for example. Um, So now, because they don't really have any limitations, it's just like... Just go big. Just just give... Put put all the things in there. And other, aside from, like, bloating development time, it also tends to make these worlds, like, bigger but less interesting to explore. Um, it requires a larger focus on fast travel, which isn't that interesting. It's basically sacrificing, you know, a walk across the world... Uh, with or it's it's exchanging a walk across the world with a loading screen. Sure, they both suck, um, and it's it's encouraging the developers to be lazy with the activities they have you do because like they don't have you know they don't have the performance restrictions, so their minds run wild with like all the stuff they can put in. I like a more. Basically, I, I know we haven't gotten to this question yet, but I like my open world game. I don't like open world games, but I like the concept of open world games as basically like linear games that are perceived as non-linear. So it's like you're going to go the right path regardless, but you might be able to kind of, you know, weave your way there um, by taking the long way. Whereas a lot of these open world games, it's like, there might be a main objective. I don't know. There's too much other stuff to do. Tyler. Yeah, I would also say that they're a bit too big. It's also kind of a quality over quantity type of situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't count how many times I played an open world game, and I just inexplicably fall through the world. And granted, that's probably um, something that the developers... Uh, can't really fix uh, until like later patches or whatever. You know, it's like a technical limitation or whatever, but if it's a consequence of um, maps being too big and uh, just having like so much shit to do, like, I don't know. Uh, it, it's another consequence of uh, just being uh, too distracted with um, all the things that they throw at you all at once. Like, if it was more condensed and if there was more focus on um, what they're trying to do versus all the extra shit they want you to do, then, you know, I wouldn't shake two shits at it. Um, I th- I think I think they are too big, um, in honesty. Even Breath of the Wild pushes my limits as much as I enjoy that game. Yeah. Um, like, to me, the perfect size open world game, and I don't even know if you can classify it as open world because it might be too small... But I thought the Outer Worlds was a perfectly sized open world because it was big enough 
because of the gal the different planets you visit and those planets were of substance um but they didn't feel small they felt huge in their own right versus like god um what's an open world like, like again like assassin's creed 4 just to call an example because i'm liking odyssey right now um if a lot of that was just sailing into emptiness which is cool initially right i'm a pirate yeah drunken sailor shit but you know it's uninteresting it gets interesting after hour 20 you know when you've done it overnight outer worlds is another one that was like limited by the the resources available and i think it's a better off game for it right um exactly so i think so and then like it, like as much as i'm interested in starfield coming out this year i feel like that's just that's just gonna be too big based on what they're touting out mm-hmm. so um it looks boring um but besides that um you know I, I i definitely think we could do a reduction size in open worlds they don't need to be that huge i would i would rather it be more volume versus width in terms of my open worlds like make 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 <laughs> it make things in them more interesting underground you know past stuff like that versus like how wide can we make this space in you know i think that's that's what i would want um but now let's go ahead and wrap this puppy up but like how would you fix them like what what would systems would you implement to to fix an open world game um and to basically alleviate to your pleasure not necessarily the audience's the rest of the audience's pleasure but if you were making a game what would you do well I, I have a I have a main point here, but first I want to say like um, I, I you know I do a lot of like D and D and stuff like that, and generally when people uh, I, I, there's like a trick when you're making a, a world map for your campaign um, to take a bunch of dice and just kind of drop them on paper, and wherever they kind of pool and like land. Um, that kind of decides like your land masses and like what's on those spaces. Like a, um, for example, like a D six on a spot might be like a town and like a D eight on a spot might be a dungeon, that kind of thing. But it ensures that every, like every land mass you have, everything, you know, on your map serves a purpose. And I think there needs to be a way to kind of implement that system into game development because there's just so much open space between areas. And I'm not saying that like everything has to have a purpose because that doesn't that, that's not practical. You know, like I live in Missouri. I know that there's a lot of open space between interesting areas. <laughs> um but in a video game, it's not that fun to actually explore those places that are empty. Uh so at least make the exploration interesting from, you know, landmark to landmark. Um, and don't make them so far apart, and that kind of thing. But, in general, the way I would fix it is... <laughs> this is gonna sound like a dumb answer, but to not make open-world games. <laughs> so, uh, as I mentioned, you know, Sonic feels like, to me, feels like a, a open quote-unquote open-world game for people that don't like open world games. Um, it's like they're focusing on, you know, still having that classic Sonic gameplay of like the, um, the zones or whatever, but having like a more puzzle, like open world focused, like hub world, um, similar to kind of what was in like Sonic adventure, but less, um, less goofy. 
And it seems like there's plenty of stuff to do in that open world, but then, you know, there's all the levels and stuff that branch off from it. And that's a really interesting concept. Um, kind of like an open hub world rather than an open world world. Like, that's all you have. Um, it's kind of like what Breath of the Wild was trying to do with the shrines, but I don't think it succeeded because they were kind of obnoxious to find a lot of the time. And they didn't last that long. So you spent more time tracking them down than you did in them. Um, maybe Terrors of the Kingdom will improve that. I don't know. But I think that they should take more after like the Metroidvania concept. So you are headed to a destination. Uh, like whatever your you know main quest is. And like if it's a Metroid Prime, for example, you've got some fairly open individual rooms that all are kind of interconnected. And there's some branching paths. Some might lead to dead ends because you can't get there yet. Others might lead to hidden collectibles like, you know, missile tanks and things like that. Um, but you're most likely going to, like, stumble your way the right direction. I think the open world games should follow that structure of, like, you don't have just a bunch of, like, points of interest on your map like the Ubisoft games. You have your map, and it's not so much a big open field as it is, like, a series of, you know, the hallways and, like, maybe, you know, uh, cavern, like, chasms between mountain rifts and that kinds of thing. Like, you can't walk up the mountains or take a horse up the mountain. You have to go around it because the mountain's not part of the map. It's just, you know, landscape. It's ambiance. Um, so it makes the map look more dynamic because it's not just, like, a, a giant square that you are immediately overwhelmed by as soon as you unlock it. <laughs> um, and as you're exploring, there is a clear end point, but it's not marked on your map. You're given hints to where it is, and the generally the branching paths will lead to a dead end, unless you have the thing you need to make it forward. Um, God of War, like the new God of War actually does this really well too. Uh, because Especially like when you get to the part with the boat, it's like you kind of have your main hub, and then all the islands and stuff you can explore, but a lot of them you can't get to at first. You have to come back to them later. Um, so that's still kind of like, it's it's quote-unquote open world, but not everything is available to you right away. Or like, um, again, going classic, Grand Theft Auto 3. Like, compare 3 to 5, 5 basically lets you go anywhere. Even if you don't have any quest objectives there, you can go on the other side of the map. You just can't really do anything there. Um, 3 basically blocks you off. There's, like, I think police or something kind of keeping you in your, like, starter zone. So all of your quests are there. That's the only area you can explore. And then as you play more, new areas of the map are opened up to you. And then your objectives are generally in that part that you've just gained access to. Um, those kinds of things, I think, go a long way to making it feel less overwhelming but still give you some agency as far as how to get where you need to go and the things that you might discover along the way. But you're not just meandering and getting distracted by all the little things. I'm, you'd think I would like open world games with how meandering my own thoughts are, but, you know. I got there in the end. Tyler. Tyler. Um, so I actually took a minute to think about this, and uh, I think my answer would probably be uh, 
just make it like um, like classic level progression. I know that's like a traditional uh, '90s kid response, um, and it seems a bit too video gamey for uh, today's standards, I guess. But that's just how I prefer it. Uh, probably the best example of that that I could give uh, is probably not an open world game, and ironically, it's also Sonic related. Uh, Sonic Unleashed. Uh, basically, in that game, uh, as you progress through the game, um, you go to like a new continent, and uh, with every new continent, um, it has its own little hub, and uh, you would unlock levels uh, the more that you either complete the main game or collect Sun and Moon medals, right? Uh, granted, I wouldn't go that far to like lock levels behind a dumb optional collectible like that, but uh, just um, unlocking stuff in increments as you uh, do like main quest lines or whatever that would be my preferred way to go through an open world game that way it doesn't feel too overwhelming and that you don't get too distracted with a whole bunch of uh, menial tasks that uh, the game may throw at you that doesn't mean they don't have to be there like you can probably like do side quests at your leisure as they become available but you know, it's just a personal preference thing. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, is I would make quest lines more interesting. I know that's easier said than done, but I feel like those are the backbones of what makes an open world game. Um, after, because again, exploring is only going to get you for the most part after about 20 hours before you kind of want to just start mainlining and everything. And I feel like to keep players invested, you, you need to have interesting side content versus just, like I said earlier, and that would be the big focus I would do. Um, you combine that with a reach, like something that's intuitive enough to explore, but not cumbersome, and you, I think you have a recipe for success there. Um, you know, so many times it's, it's just meandering shit. So, in that sense, I believe um, it's, all about, it all about, it's all about narrative. Um, you, the, like, you get, a, you get a person invested enough and they're going to keep playing your game. Uh, even if they say, even if they say they're not in the stories, they really, they are. They just haven't found a story that they're interested in yet. Um, and you know, get rid of you know pointless shit. Um, I would also just say fuck it, give your player everything at the start. Just you want to make it open world, just give me the option to do everything right out of the gate, and then just let my challenge accumulate as we go. That's what I would do. Make me OP as fuck. Hmm. Um. But that's going to do it, uh, unless you have any more comments on open world games before we go for the night. No. Okay. I talked enough. All right, uh, everybody, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Justin, please plug your stuff. You can find me if you look for Zero Score on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, TikTok. I uh, pretty much already said what I'm working on. Um, haven't had a lot of motivation, but I'm just kind of focusing on Twitch and some easy video stuff. I'm trying. I want to get back into the PlayStation randomizer videos because they're pretty short and easy to do. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 kind of burnt out on big stuff for right now. So, Tyler, you can follow me on Twitter at Hey It's That Ty. Check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, Home with Tyler's Series Reviews, where I review old ass fighting games for your pleasure. Uh, the new video is finally in the works after a thousand years. Uh, the Tekken trailer has actually motivated me to getting back into the Tekken series. We're going to be 
finishing that off for Plum. Hopefully I'll be done by the time the uh, actual game comes out. Fingers crossed on that one. Uh, also, I mentioned uh, earlier during the episode that I had an announcement uh, regarding Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Um, I've been in talks on uh, Twitter and the private Discord with uh, these lovely gentlemen and Nero the Hero. Um, I'm actually uh, thinking of holding a Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel uh, Duel Monsters uh, inspired tournament where the only limitation is cards that are uh, from the start of the game all the way to the beginning of 2005. All Duel Monsters, no no Synchro Summons, no XC Summons, no Link Summons, no Court Summons, just plain old fair Yu-Gi-Oh! And I feel like that would be pretty fun to do in a community-based setting, and I'm pretty sure all of you would agree on the limited list that I have personally handpicked for such an event. On the cinema shot side of things, uh, we have literally just recorded, uh, or rather, we have just released, uh, since we're a week behind, I can actually say that, uh, the new episode uh, called Whisper of the Heart. Uh, that was a fun one. Uh, I suggest checking that out on cinemashot.com, or charshot.com, rather. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash marvelousiggy, and of course, catch me live four times a week at twitch.tv slash iggy2814. Uh, as mentioned, uh, you can go to church.com for this episode, as well as Cinema Shot, and of course the wrestling show that me and Thomas do. Thank you everybody for listening for us this week. It was a huge pack week of stuff we caught up, so next week will probably be lighter in the news content and a much shorter show. Uh, until next, ne- until then, next time, guys, uh, charge on. That's not the thing. <laughs>